Diane and I went to Branson, Missouri this past week for a few days. Uh, it's only about four and a half, five hours from where we live. Uh, if you're not familiar with Branson, uh, it's a growing tourist trap, I guess, in some ways. Uh, it's a place you can spend hundreds of dollars a day with no problem. Uh, there's shows of all kinds uh, from maybe $30 a ticket to 50 or $60 a ticket. Uh, there are singers, uh, magic acts, uh, you name it. They have tributes to Elvis Presley. Elvis's cousin is there singing. Uh, they have tributes to um, the Beatles. Uh, food, oh goodness. There is uh, so many uh, restaurants there. You, you could eat a, a different one every day and probably not hit them all in a year's time. Um, the ones we went to were real good. We didn't go to any of the, the chain restaurants. We just went to some of the local restaurants and had some really, really good food. Uh, but the, the best thing there is Sight and Sound. Uh, if you're not familiar with that, Sight and Sound began in uh, Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Uh, it's put on, it's a Christian company and they do shows for uh, Noah, Jonah, uh, Ruth, Samson, uh, and the one that was playing in Branson while we were, we were there until the end of th this year is Jesus. And we'd already seen that, so we didn't go. We saw it a couple years ago in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. But it, it was just good to get away. You know, not to have to get up at any certain time or be any special place. And then we went around, and Diane is a quilter, so we went to these quilt shops and and checked all that stuff out. Um, antique malls and walked through and um, just had a good relaxing time and ate lots, lots of good food. And uh, so it was good to get back to and get back into the routine. So... Here we are, ready to get back to life. So just ask uh, for prayers for our, our family as uh, our son and family that's living with us. They're looking for a house, and housing here is uh, it goes on sale today. It'll probably be sold tomorrow. Uh, that's the way it is, and for more than asking price. So they're having kind of a difficult time right now. But... We know the Lord has a place for him. So let's pray. Father, we just give you thanks that you give us times of relaxation, times of uh, stepping out of the rat race, and just uh, to enjoy ourselves, to enjoy um, the things that other people have created, and Lord, to just um, kind of unwind. We all need that at different times. And it doesn't take a ton of money to do that, as you've shown us. <coughs> so, Father, we just praise you that uh, we got there and back safely and um, back home and, Lord, ready to, to do the things you've called us to do. So, Lord, just be with us as we listen to your message. And, Father, um, your word is, is timely. Uh, the things that you told us 
hundreds of years ago, thousands of years ago, still pertains to us today. So Lord, just let your Holy Spirit work in us. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, these next three message, messages, I'm going to be doing on Jesus' death and resurrection. And I'm going to attempt to take the, the four Gospels and blend them together. Uh, now John's timing is a little different than the other three Gospels. And so I'm going to admit up front that there's going to be some stuff that I guess you'll call it fiction. Uh, sometimes when we read parts of the Bible, we kind of assume that things may have happened or happened in a certain way. So with that disclaimer, uh, let's get started. So it's late Thursday night into early Friday morning. And sometime earlier, uh, Jesus had predicted Peter's denial. And Peter denies that he will deny Jesus, uh, just like me. You know, I deny that all the time. Um, but the, the Last Supper, as we call it, has happened. And Jesus and his disciples, minus Judas, uh, go to Gethsemane. According to Matthew and Mark, uh, John says they go to the Olive Grove. Uh, Luke calls it the Mount of Olives, and none of them are wrong. It's uh, all one and the same. So once they get there, Jesus takes his three good buddies, Peter, James, and John, and they go a little further to pray. Uh, Luke says it's a stone's throw away. Uh, for me, that wouldn't be too far. But uh, John doesn't mention the prayer time at all. Matthew and Mark tell us that Jesus came back three times and found his good friends, the three, asleep. Uh, Luke just mentions it once, but in Luke 2240, uh, Jesus had told the three this. He said, pray that you will not give in to temptation. Okay, and I hear him telling me that when I'm maybe laying in bed and praying and trying to get to sleep. And, you know, he's saying, well, just keep on praying, you know, don't fall, don't get into temptation. But so in Mark 14, 34, Jesus had told them this. He says, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. And Mark says something similar. So when Jesus left the three of them, they knew how Jesus was feeling. They knew that Jesus was really troubled. He was really anxious. But that wasn't enough to keep him awake. Okay, it wasn't an ordinary prayer time. But, you know, not to make an excuse for him, Thursday had been very eventful. And like I said, it was either late Thursday night or early Friday morning. And so, you know, they just, they fell asleep. But now everything is about to change forever. Up until now, I don't think the disciples had thought too much about Judas. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, you know, they maybe wondered where he was in such a hurry to go. 
and what he might be doing. And, you know, they thought they'd probably catch up with Judas sometime later. And they did, and probably for the last time. Matthew, Mark, and Luke tell us that Jesus was rebuking Peter, James, and John when Judas showed up. And he showed up. Okay, the, the four Gospels explain it with blazing torches, swords, and clubs, and a band or a contingent of soldiers and others. And Judas was leading the way right to Jesus. Matthew 26, 48 and 49 tells us the traitor, Judas, had given them a prearranged signal. You will know which one to arrest when I greet him with a kiss. So Judas came straight to Jesus. Greetings, Rabbi, he exclaimed and gave him the kiss. Now, Matthew has Jesus responding in verse 50, this way. He says, my friend, go ahead and do what you come for. But I kind of prefer what Luke says in 2248. When Jesus asks his question, Judas, would you betray the Son of Man with a kiss? Now, John's gospel records things a little differently. In uh, John 18, 4 through 9, says Jesus fully realized all that was going to happen to him. So he stepped forward to meet him. Who are you looking for? He asked. Jesus, the Nazarene, they replied. I am he, Jesus said. Judas had betrayed him. Who had betrayed him was standing with them. As Jesus said, I am he, they all drew back and fell to the ground. Once more he asked them, Who are you looking for? And again they replied, Jesus the Nazarene. I told you that I am he, Jesus said, and since I am the one you want, let these others go. He did this to fulfill his own statement. I did not lose a single one of those you have given me. Well, by now the other eight disciples had joined Jesus, and Peter, James, and John. And what happened next varies somewhat. Um, Matthew, Mark, and Luke don't give us a name, but John tells us that it was Peter that cut off the servant's ear. And John also tells us that this servant or slave's name was Malchus. I can only imagine that this slave became a believer in Jesus Christ because Jesus picked up the ear and healed him. And no matter what this man thought about or knew about Jesus before that moment, did not matter at all because all he knows was a few seconds ago, I only had one ear and now I've got two ears again. Because this man that we've come to arrest healed me. Matthew tells us in 26:56, at that point, all the disciples deserted him and fled. Now, Mark has a different take in chapter 14. <clears throat> Excuse me. 
he says that they all ran away, but in verses 51 and 52, it says, one young man following behind was clothed only in a long linen, sh linen shirt. When the mob tried to grab him, he slipped out of his shirt and ran away naked. Now, some Bible scholars believe that this young man that Mark is talking about was himself. The, the author of the Gospel of Mark. And so he knew what had happened. So now Jesus has been arrested. He's been taken away. And the disciples are running for their lives, thinking, are they coming after us? You know, they know that we've been with them. They've seen us with them, you know, so many different places, different times. And they know, is Judas going to turn us in as well? I mean, and how could how could Judas do this? You know, I mean, what did he get out of this? And why now, after three years of being with the teacher? I mean, Judas saw the same miracles. He went out with us, and we healed people. He heard the same teachings. And what is going to become of Jesus? Where are they taking him? John told us it was Roman soldiers. Matthew, Mark, and Luke tells us that it was a mob or a crowd. But whoever it was, Matthew tells us that Jesus was taken to Caiaphas's home. Mark tells us the leading priest and the elders and the teachers of the religious law had gathered. Well, this certainly does not sound like a spur-of-the-moment thing, does it? It was completely a pre-planned gathering that probably when Judas went and got the Roman guards or whoever it was that went with him, probably somebody went to, to Caiaphas or the others and said, hey, this is going down. Okay, let's be ready. Mark and Luke also say Peter followed at a distance and went right into the high priest's courtyard. Now is when the lies start to flow. Now is when kangaroo court is in session. When people are accusing Jesus of anything that they can manage to think of, and it's all lies. So while this is going on, something else really important happens. And I'll give it to you from the message, Luke 22, 56 to 62. It says, in the middle of the courtyard, some people had started a fire and were sitting around it trying to keep warm. One of the serving maids, sitting at the fire, noticed him, meaning Peter, then took a second look and said, This man was with him. He denied it. Woman, I don't even know him. A short time later, someone else noticed him and said, You're one of them. But Peter denied it. Man, I am not. About an hour later, 
someone else spoke up, really adamant. He's got to have been with him. He's got Galilean written all over him. Peter said, man, I don't know what you're talking about. At that very moment, the last word hardly off his lips, a rooster crowed. Just then, the master turned and looked at Peter. Peter remembered what the master had said to him. Before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. He went out and cried and cried and cried. All during the accusations, Jesus was quiet for the most part. Number one, he knew that he wouldn't be believed no matter what he said. And number two, he knew that he had to endure all of this for us. And when they had their guilty verdict, Jesus was sent to Pilate. Why Pilate? Pilate alone, as the Roman governor, had the power to crucify Jesus. So where were the disciples? We know where Peter had been. Were the rest trying to get lost in the city? Were they wanting to help? But at the same time, knowing that they were powerless? And where was Judas? Matthew gives us an answer, and so does Luke. But he gives it to us in the book of Acts. Matthew 27. This is my loose version of what happened. <clears throat> Tells us that Judas had gone to the high priest and tried to give him back the 30 pieces of silver. You know, he said, I, I've turned in an innocent man. He realized what he'd done and they refused. So Judas tossed the silver back to them and ran out. And tells us that they bought a field with the money as a cemetery for foreigners. But Judas ran out and he hanged himself. Acts 1 tells it like this in verse 18. It says, Judas had bought a field with the money he received for his treachery. Falling headfirst there, his body split open, spilling out all his intestines. We don't know if Luke had it right or if Matthew had it right. But Judas realized what he had done was wrong. So now Jesus, he goes before Pilate. Pilate wants nothing to do with him. He tries to get out of sentencing Jesus. Pilate's wife comes to him and says, just get rid of this guy. Have nothing to do with him. You know, this is not going to be good. But Pilate ends up with no other choice. I imagine that some of the disciples were maybe in that crowd, scared to death. Are we going to be recognized? Keep looking around. Are we going to get arrested? Are we going to be crucified too? And what were they doing 
when the crowd was yelling, Crucify him! Crucify him! Were they able to witness the flogging? Could they almost feel the blows themselves? Now Jesus has been arrested to be crucified. And this was something that the disciples were familiar with. And so they knew what their friend, the one they had thought was a Messiah, was going to have to endure. They'd seen it before. They'd seen the blood. They'd heard the screams. And now the one who had been there everything for three years was going to be nailed to a cross. Could they have stopped it? They heard what Jesus said in the garden hours earlier. Matthew 26, 53. Don't you realize that I could ask my father for thousands of angels to protect us and he would send them instantly? But if I did, how would the scriptures be fulfilled that describe what must happen now? Now, other versions say 12 legions of angels. Okay, there's 6,000 in a legion. 12 legions is 72,000 angels. No, the disciples knew that they could not have stopped what was happening. Now, Jesus is carrying his cross to Calvary, Golgotha, place of the skull. The soldiers forced Simon of Cyrene to carry the cross. Why didn't one or more of the disciples volunteer? Why didn't one of them come forward and say, you know, I got to help him out in some way? One word describes why they didn't. Fear. If I carry his cross, people will know that I was his friend. And there will be a cross for me as well. Along the way, people continued to taunt Jesus. Hasn't he been through enough already? Stop! He doesn't deserve this. But I do. When Jesus reaches Golgotha, the chief priests, teachers of the law, the elders, they're there waiting for him. And they take the opportunity to mock him one more time. If you could save yourself, if you could save others, why can't you save yourself? This victory wasn't enough for him, was it? And where are the disciples now? Are they still trying to hide in the crowd? The only one that we're told was there was John in his gospel. Chapter 19, 25 to 27. It says, standing near the cross were Jesus' mother and his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother standing there beside the disciple he loved, he said to her, Dear woman, here's your son. And he said to the disciple, Here is your mother. And from then on, this disciple 
took her into his home. John doesn't name himself, but he does name himself. Were the disciples there at noon when it got dark for three hours? Were the disciples there when the earth trembled and shook? Maybe some of them were hiding in the cemetery when the tombs opened. Were some of them near the temple when the curtain ripped from the top to the bottom, exposing the Holy of Holies? Were the disciples at the cross when Jesus said, It is finished. And if they heard those words, what were their thoughts? Is what finished? Matthew and Mark both tell us, when the Roman soldier who stood facing him saw how he had died, he exclaimed, This man truly was the Son of God. Where were the disciples when Joseph of Arimathea went to Pilate and asked for Jesus' lifeless body? Joseph, a secret believer. Joseph, who was willing to give up, give up everything to have the honor of burying the Savior. John tells us that Nicodemus came as well, also giving it all up. And the disciples, nowhere to be seen. Did the disciples dare to go to the tomb after Jesus had been buried? Now, there was guard there, but you know, they, they could have maybe looked from a distance. I mean, the disciples had just lost their teacher, their friend, the Messiah, the Savior, and they were scared to death. I would be too. My question to you, what would you have done? Where would you have been? Were you there when they crucified my Lord? Were you there when they crucified my Lord? Oh, sometimes it causes me to tremble, tremble, tremble. Were you there when they crucified my Lord? Were you there when they nailed him to the tree? Were you there when they nailed him to the tree? Oh, sometimes it causes me to tremble, tremble, tremble. Were you there when they nailed him to the tree? Were you there when they pierced him in the side? Were you there when they pierced him in the side? Oh, sometimes it causes me to tremble, tremble, tremble. Were you there when they pierced him in the side? Were you there when the sun refused to shine? Were you there when the sun refused to shine? Oh, sometimes it causes me to tremble, tremble, tremble. Were you there when the sun refused to shine? Were you there when they laid him in the tomb? Were you there when they laid him in the tomb? Oh, 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 oh. 
sometimes it causes me to tremble, tremble, tremble. Were you there when they laid him in the tomb? Dear Heavenly Father, we know that physically none of us were there. Lord, spiritually, maybe we were. But where were we? Lord, I lift up my brothers and sisters that know you and love you, that have probably heard this story many, many times over. I've read it, I've studied it, and know what happened on that day. But Lord, sometimes it's hard to stay close to you. Lord, help us to realize what you went through, what you did for us, us undeserving people. And Lord, I lift up anybody that may be listening to this. You really, maybe they've heard this story before too, but it just doesn't make a lot of sense. You know what I mean? Good Friday, what's good about it? It's good because it had to happen. Because Jesus had to die for our sins. Because we couldn't pay the price. Only a perfect sacrifice could, and he's the only one. So Lord, if someone wants to make that commitment to you, let them make it like this. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for your Son who died for my sins and paid the price for me that I couldn't pay. Thank you that he rose from the dead and he's coming again. Thank you for loving me enough to allow me to believe this. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.